All right? Everybody ready for this journey? You don't have to get out of your seats, okay? And I promise nothing weird is going to happen. Well, it is a little weird, but okay. Take your right hand and stick your pointer finger out. Now take your left hand and raise your thumb. Okay? So everyone's got their left hand, pointer finger, right hand, thumb. Switch. Yeah. And those of you who are looking around confused, try it. Okay. Now, do you know how to move your pointer finger and your thumb? Yeah, of course you do. Do you know how to move your pointer finger and thumb? No, you do not. <laughs> Clearly you do not. And it's like, whoa, what's happening? You're, don't worry, you're not getting old. I was practicing last night at Gerbs, like through every aisle. People were probably like, what is this guy doing? Right? I was just really trying to get it down. We know how to do things, and then when it comes time to actually doing those things, you don't know unless you walk it out. You got to take that step, right? We know God is trustworthy, and you can understand that, but when you actually take time to trust him, oh, that's a totally different experience. Trust has a companion that she walks through life with. Peace. Where trust is high, peace is high. Where trust is low, peace is low. And, I mean, we, we can ex- see that. I mean, peace is everywhere. It's ever. I mean, I saw it this morning as I'm walking around. You see old friends sitting together, and you can just feel that sense where there's just a sense of peace because they're with someone they like. They're connecting. I saw it in the lobby, in the chairs. There's peace in a, a nursing mother and an infant. This infant has a need and has cried out. And there's just this need that's being met. Safety in arms and trust. For me, how I can experience peace and trust is I, really, I like riding my bike. I, I know that because I've seen some of you on the road and you don't make space for bicycles. But judgment-free zone. Judgment-free zone. I ride like a jerk, so don't worry about it. Um, one of the places where I love, I just experienced a high level of peace is at the Bonnie Nature Trail. You know, there's like that traffic circle and then the hill coming down it. You can really open up on that hill and it's great. I love it. And I experienced peace when there's a high level of trust that these ladies aren't going to be out. This was this morning on my walk in this morning. Uh, there were six of them, and as soon as, like, one of them was eyeing me, and I, as soon as I grabbed my camera, they ran. I got, these two, I guess, are like the, watch, the watchers. But if I trust these ladies aren't going to join me on my bike ride, peace. Just, going down that hill. But if I don't trust that, there's not a lot of peace. Peace is everywhere, and we love peace. I mean, even a Compass Church member, even in situations where it doesn't look like there's peace, we can experience peace. The war in Ukraine. A Compass Church member has a friend in Ukraine, and they paid money to get them out of Ukraine. And I saw the pictures. It was in the early days. They were trying to get to the border. Chaos. This person had young kids trying to get their young family out of a war zone. They make it across the border. They make their way to Germany. Peace. There's safety. We trust that we're in a place where there's safety. Even in the midst of a world not working like it should, we can experience peace. And we love peace. 
Advent is a time of year where we take the themes that the church throughout history has talked about at Christmas. Love, joy, hope, peace. Last week, Luke did a great job talking about hope. How can we have hope in our circumstances when we can't see God? This week, we're talking about peace. Peace. Well-being. Freedom from anxiety. Assurance that everything is right. We love peace. We see peace around us. How do we experience more peace? There's a thing in Christian preaching circles, it's called like the uh, Christian failure narrative, where it's like, you don't have peace. You're not experiencing peace. If you just, you know, repent and follow my message, you'll get peace. Like, I'm, uh, there's no Christian failure narrative here. We really do believe that the world changed at Christmas. When Jesus of Nazareth came into the world, the world was one way. Oh, and when he got done, it's a different way. And we are experiencing life with him in that abundant life. So we experience peace. And the question is, how can we grow in our awareness of that peace? How can we see that everything is right when everything isn't right? Like, how do we live in that tension, that paradigm, that we have peace with God and we can really have that freedom from anxiety? We can rest when it doesn't look like that's what we should be doing. How can we raise trust in God when it looks very difficult to trust God? When maybe he even looks scary. How do we do that? The Christmas story is about God working to build trust with us. The Christmas story, the passage we're going to look at this week, it's the same passage we looked at last week. Why? Because we believe the Bible is like a fractal. Like you can just keep going in and it's, whoa! It's a, and so we're going to look at this passage again and come at it from a different angle. We looked at it from hope last week. We're looking at it from peace this week. And we're like, how can we really... How God's building trust, what? That doesn't sound like God. Doesn't he just say, trust me, and we just are supposed to trust him? I just, want to, I just want to make a case to you this morning. If that were true, if it was just like, I said, you're good to go, I legitimately think this book would be a little smaller. This is a big old book. All right? And in the story of Scripture, the God of the Bible is walking it out with us. He's saying, I'm not just going to tell you you can trust me. I'm going to show you I'm trustworthy. I'm inviting you in to trust. And as we trust, and as that trust gets greater and greater, our peace goes up with it. The passage that we're going to look at this morning is God walking it out. We're going to look at one particular character in the narrative that we did last week. We're looking at Simeon's life this week. But I do have to say something about this passage. Before we get into it, the Bible is written by artists, and if you, they, they sometimes want us to get lost and wander in the woods with them, and then bam, wow, this is amazing. I have to kind of ruin some of that artistry this morning to explain the text so then we can see it for ourselves, okay? The passage that we're going to look at this morning is a lot like the movie The Sixth Sense, okay? I think it's like a 1996 thriller where like a kid, I see dead people, right? At the very end of the movie, he's like hanging out with Bruce Willis, and at the end of the movie, what do you learn? You guys, boy, I've never seen that. How dare you? 
I really haven't. But at the end of the movie, you learn Bruce Willis is dead. And you're like, whoa. And then you go back through the rest of the movie. And you're like, oh, wow, that totally makes sense. Like the waiter didn't talk to Bruce Willis. And nobody was really acknowledging Bruce. Oh, wow, this kid was with a dead person the whole time trying to solve the problem of seeing dead people. Whoa. The end explains and helps you see the rest of the story through a different lens. The end of our passage, what Luke does that, I mean, he's just a great storyteller. He takes Jesus' life, and he talks about the first time that Jesus goes to Jerusalem. And the very end of this story, though, is this like, oh, that's what the story is all about. And here's the very end of this story. The child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And we're supposed to go, oh, that whole account is what it looks like when God's grace is over your life. So just like in the creation story, you, you know, it says the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. God's, God is hovering over his creation like, like a mother hen, care. I, oh, I'm just nurturing and caring for my creation. What's about to explode out of this is gonna be awesome and I'm caring for it. Just like that, God his grace is over Jesus. His love is on him. And this doesn't mean grace like unmerited favor, like Jesus did anything wrong and God. No, 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 no. This is God's attachment love. His saying, I am for you. I delight in you. I'm the one raising my hand saying, I'll take care of you. I'll meet your needs. What happens when God loves someone like that? It changes everything. It creates peace. And then for the rest of us, it's an invitation to trust. Oh, we can trust a God like that. If you've ever been at a park uh, when a kid gets hurt, oh, it's terrible. Except if the kid's like a puke, and it's like, <laughs> shouldn't have done that. But for most kids, it's just like this awful, like, ah, this feeling, right? Have you ever seen like a two-year-old or a three-year-old fall, right? Where do they go? They make a beeline to a parent, right? They don't go just to any old adult. Any old adult won't do. We need mom. Right? They just... That's the kind of love God has over us. You can trust me. You can bring things to me. And the invitation is, walk it out with me. We'll get there. We'll learn how to walk it out. And we see that in Simeon's life. What does it look like when Jesus goes to Jerusalem? It creates peace. And can we trust God? How can we take that step? So if you have your Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading in verse 22 all the way to 40. Luke 2, 22. Luke chapter 2. It's in the New Testament. So there's a break in your Bible. There's a blank page. And then we go Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 2. Remember, sixth sense. You guys ready? When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and 
to offer sacrifices in keeping with what is said in the law, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There also was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And when the child grew and became strong, he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. God. God, we want to trust you because we love peace. God, we know that you're trustworthy. God, we have experienced that peace. Many of us in this room have been reconciled to you and we live in that peace and it's so hard to see it, God. God, remind us what has already been set right so that we change the filter through which we see the world. God, help this morning to be an exercise where we build trust together, where we learn to walk it out. ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 2 is right after the really famous Christmas story where an angel appears to shepherds and then shepherds go, they see this newborn king and they run and they tell everybody the story. 40 days later now, we're going into Jerusalem and Luke is intentionally setting these two stories beside each other. There's a contrast here and it's a contrast that's made to show us who is Jesus and what is he all about. This passage is full of echoes from Isaiah chapter 9, which we read last week for Advent's reading, right? And they shall call his name Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Okay, Prince of Peace, all right? That's one of Jesus' titles that's echoed throughout this passage. Now, Jerusalem 
is the city of peace. Jerusalem is made up of two Hebrew words, one meaning foundation of and one meaning peace. So you may know Hebrew shalom means peace. Yerushalayim is Jerusalem. Jerusalem, same letter, peace, city of peace. Here's what's going on. The prince of peace makes his first trip to the city of peace. And we're like, what's going to happen? Okay? The prince of peace makes his very first trip to the city of peace. Erasmus, he's an old church historian. He didn't get along with Martin Luther. And if I was alive back then, I, I, pro- I mean, we love the Reformation a lot, but Erasmus was just a cooler hang. All right? He's hilarious. Like, he's always like, Luther, chill out. Like, what's your problem? And like, calm down, bro. And like, he was just funny. Like, in this writing, he's funny. Erasmus had a question. Why don't God's people always look like God? And he said, well, I think a lot of us really fundamentally believe God is scary. So, and that can express itself in many different ways. And Erasmus goes, you know, when Jesus came, he didn't say, I come as the destroyer of villages. I come to set your barns on fire. He said, I come as the prince of peace. But yet, very deep inside of all of us, we're like, but God is scary. And that can have two different expressions. That can look like the person who like never darkens the door of a church and is just like sowing their wild oats everywhere. God is scary. I'm not going to bother. It can also look like very religious people though. People who are in church every Sunday. God is scary. Just do what he says. My friend Russell, I'll never forget. When we were little kids, we were walking around on a beach and we saw this guy with like a billboard sign. It said, on one side it said, Jesus is coming. And on the back it said, quick, look busy. Those two, those two things are attached to the same root. God is scary. And, and either do what he says or just run. But either way, it's the same root. And the Christmas story asks us, are we open to another perspective? Even if we've been following God for a long time, we've still got, we've still got that, those tentacles wrapped around us that God is scary. He's, not, he's for us. But it doesn't have to be. That's grace. And so, really, like, he's just, there's a very fragile spider web we're walking on. If we step out of that spider web, watch out. But the child grew, became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace, the strong attachment love of God was on this child. And because this child is deeply loved, He's the Prince of Peace. And when the Prince of Peace goes to the city of peace, peace spills everywhere. It's really intentional that the biblical authors call Jesus the Prince of Peace. Prince, we think of like, you know, Prince Charming, or like, what's that prince from Mr. Rogers, like Prince Friday, or we're just like, oh, a prince is like a junior king. Not in, an, not in an ancient Near Eastern mindset. A prince was an administrator. They took the decrees and the justices of the kings and they spread them to the people. They were, they were like, hey, here, here's what's going on. So the prince of peace, what is it you think the prince of peace doles out? Peace. We're still afraid though. It's still terrifying. We really do believe we have a very pagan conception of God. He's terrifying. And you got to sacrifice your goat because the gods are coming. That's not from Scripture. God is building trust. 
He's trying to show us. Again, you can trust me. I'm trustworthy. This is what a life where my love is dumped on someone looks like. It creates peace. And the other thing, look, Paul says this. God demonstrates. God shows to us. God is saying, look, I'm trustworthy. How? By sending his son. God demonstrates this kind of love. He demonstrates it. I'm here. I'm raising my hand. I'll be the parent when you fall in the park. Run to me. I'm trustworthy. You can trust me. How do you know? My love was on Jesus, and look what it did. How does God demonstrate his love? He sent his son. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We, that doesn't go away once you become a Christian for more than five minutes. That message is still on us. And so what, what we see here is what happens when the Prince of Peace goes to the City of Peace. A couple different things. Simeon. Look at Simeon with me. We're going to zoom in on this man. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. There's two schools of thinking on who this guy was. I lean toward the fact, I believe he was a Gentile. Okay? Simeon, the, the phrase devout uh, is not used to describe Jewish people. It's usually used to describe like the Greek world. And so basically it's someone who was like wealthy and cool. It's like Jeff Goldblum. Or like Leonard Bernstein. Like depending on, you know, wherever you're coming from. Jeff Goldblum, Leonard Bernstein. Like this very gregarious, ha-ha, personality is contrasted with the shepherds. Jesus comes for the poor. What do the rich think about him? There's tension between rich and poor. Class warfare. Eat the rich. That happened back then. There's always been this thing. Can we bring peace to that situation? Jew-Gentile. Racial tensions. Right? The Israelites are in exile. Why? They, some people, because we, we were too nice to the Gentiles. Ah, this is bad. So there's tension here. And the Prince of Peace comes to the city of peace and he brings peace. And the circumstances didn't look great either. Look with me at verse 22. It says this, The time came for purification rites required by the law of Moses. And if you skip down to verse 24, they were to bring a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Why were they to bring a pair of doves or two young pigeons? They're poor. Mary and Joseph are coming to Jerusalem, the city of peace, for three reasons. One, Mary needs to be purified from having a baby. And again, if that, if, I know it's a cultural struggle for us today. Like, they're, they're not saying like, ew, gross, babies. In that day, pregnancy was a lot more dangerous. And so having a baby was considered going into the realm of the dead. Right? And you, you go into the realm of the dead and you come out with a life. And so they're like, hey, God is alive. You can't go in the realm of the dead. So Mary went in the realm of the dead. We just got to wait for this purification, right? All right? Joseph was also there. He was helping. So he had to be purified too. Those are two reasons they're going. The third reason, though, is they're offering Jesus for service for the Lord. That's amazing. Think about this. The Prince of Peace is going to the city of peace, and he's not going on his own. He's being dragged. He's a baby. He has no agency. And who do we see when we first get there? A Gentile. Why do we think he's a Gentile? He's in the temple courtyard. Where's that? That's where Gentiles were. How do we know Gentiles were there? Because Gentiles and women had to be in the same spot. So here's a, probably, perhaps, I believe, a Gentile with, with Mary and Joseph saying, oh man, this is, this, is, this is the one we're waiting for. You see all that peace coming together? It keeps going. We're not going to talk about this week, but the next character we run to is Anna. So think about this for a second. The temple is the place where God and man live together. It's kind of like a garden of Eden. That's what it's supposed to be like. That's why the, sky, the ceiling's blue and the trees everywhere in it. The temple is this Eden place, and there's a man and a woman, Anna and Simeon, these man and woman, and they're both worshiping God. 
That's pretty cool, right? I don't know if you know this. You know, historically, there's been some tension in the relationships between men and women. I don't know if you read the same mail I do. I don't know, but that's been a, that's been a bumpy road for a couple of years. And that's coming together. This Prince of Peace is stepping into situations where there is no peace and he's making everything right. And he's just a baby. And the very strong implication of this is just you wait. Just you wait. And the invitation for us is to say, do we trust God yet? Do we trust him yet? All right, I'm getting this idea that God is not a scary monster. I'm getting that kind of bumped up against. I'm seeing what he's really all about. He doesn't have to do any of this. Look at it. He's going out of his way to show, I really am a prince of peace. I'm not, there's no village has been burned. All right, I am a prince of peace. I am reconciling. I am setting things right. Building trust so that peace will follow. And it does. Look at verse 29. Here's what Simeon does. Simeon took the baby in his arms, which Luke pointed out, I never thought, that is really odd. Like, when we firstborn, after the firstborn, it's all like fair game, but I remember like, we had all these rules, like if a stranger in the store tries to talk to your firstborn, they can touch the foot, that's about it, right? At the third, you're like, hey, can you hold this kid? Like, you know, so this is their firstborn, and the stranger just comes and picks up. That's odd. But here's what he says. Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. What's he saying? What does it mean to be dismissed in peace? He's saying, it's all good. My life has come together. Oh my goodness, it, 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 this is it. Everything has been set right. Why? Oh, this is so interesting. This is why it's good to read the Bible slowly. Verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation. That's a weird verse if you think about it. He didn't see salvation. He saw a person. God is salvation. We just saying it. In your presence, I find healing. Salvation is being in God's presence. So God is working to build trust. He's trying to show us, you can trust me. Here's who I am. Here's what I'm about. Here's what I do. I just can't help but do this. I'm the Prince of Peace. So when I go to the City of Peace, which I named, so when I, Prince of Peace, go to City of Peace, I create people of peace. Remember when Jesus showed up on the scene as an adult in Matthew's Gospel? What's some of his first words? Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? That's who I am. I'm a peacemaker. That is not, there's a very important letter in that peacemaker. It's the M. We experience a lot of, uh, there's an F word in there. Peace fakers. Right? We are like, oh man, I, I experience a lot of peace. Why? I don't really leave my comfort zone. Right? I see a lot of things happening and I just look at my shoes. The Bible speaks very strongly about that. There's actually a phrase that gets used again and again in the, in the Old Testament, but it's peace substitutes. It's peace, peace, when there's no peace. That's not what God's talking about here. He's not saying, I'm setting things right. But, but it's not right. We're just calling it right. Peace, peace, and there is no peace. That gets condemned again and again. And we, can be, we in our lives experience a lot of peace substitutes. We love our comfort zones, so we disengage from relationships when they get tough. When someone disagrees with us, we just really quickly try to find the back door. Like, yeah, where do you want to go for lunch? 
Like, man, I would really love to go. I really want to go to Red Robin. Like, oh, we're going to Chili's. Yeah, I love, ch- love Chili's. Chili's is the best. I don't want to say what I want because that might upset things. So love it. Love Chili's. But you shouldn't. Don't love Chili's. Life is too short to eat Chili's. We disengage. We don't leave our comfort zone. That's not peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Another way that we can have a peace substitute is this attitude like, well, who cares? Right? It's not a big deal. I remember I was talking to a young man who he was experiencing tension. He's an adult and his parents aren't getting along and they're not getting along with adult kids. And he just said like, look, who cares? Everybody's going to die in like 10 years anyway. Who cares? That's not peace. That's minimizing. That's not what God is offering. God is offering real peace. And this other way that we can, we can experience peacemaking is like when we see things that aren't right, we can be afraid to actually name it because it will, anything I say is going to make it worse. So I'm just going to, you know, I would, I would, I would be a peacemaker, but if I, if I use my voice, if I spoke up, whew, it's going to make it worse. All of these things are in our ecosystem and we're called to be people of peace living in the city of peace with a prince of peace. And there's lots of peace faking around us. So how on earth do we walk this out? Simeon. Here's Simeon. Here's how he walked this out. He heard God speaking to him. He trusts God's leading of him. And he experienced peace. Verse 26 It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. God speaks. Then what happens in verse 27? Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Then what happens in verse 29? You may now dismiss your servant in peace. Why is there peace? Because there's trust. Simeon walked this out. And the invitation for us is to talk to God until we feel better. That's, that is how we experience peace. I don't know if you're looking for like a magic silver bullet, but that's as close as one as I can find. When we are experiencing peace faking, when we're experiencing, like look, the holidays are not a joyful time for everybody. There are people who are not looking forward to the holiday season because I mean, people, these are stories from Compass folks. There's people who, a beloved matriarch in the family has just passed away. And so now Christmas is coming and it's our first Christmas without her. I'm not looking forward to that. That doesn't feel like a ton of peace. There's people who, uh, that I've talked to, they're nervous. Like, they're like, yeah, like my family's super generous and I've got to like kind of pace with them. And so I'm putting Christmas on my L.L. Bean credit card and I am just keeping my fingers crossed for January. Not a ton of peace. And there's people who are like, yeah, I mean, I like Christmas, but I spend it alone, just like any other day. Yeah. How do we really experience peace? We gotta do what Simi did. We gotta walk it out. This, you know how to do, but you get better at it by doing it. And the invitation that Luke is giving us is we have, we have a relationship. When God's love is on us, we can talk to God until we feel better. And he speaks. 
Look at this. Look at verse 26. It had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. So how does God speak? He definitely speaks through his word. That's the, his word and Jesus are the clearest and most, yep, you can put that in the bank. That's how he speaks. And he speaks to Simeon. There is no verse you're going to find where it says, and there's a man, Simeon, who's not going to die until the Messiah comes. There is no verse. God's spirit spoke to Simeon. And we're like, well, does God speak to us? Yes. You have a body that was made to have a relationship with God, which includes hearing from him. Well, how do I know if my thoughts, his thoughts? Proverbs 20, verse 26. It's the craziest verse ever. I think it's 2026. Could someone look that up? Because I'm not 100% sure. But it says, the human spirit is the lamp of the Lord. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord through which we understand people. What does that mean? It means that God, when he is united to a Christian, there is this relationship where he, our thoughts are not always our thoughts. The book of Colossians, we have the mind of Christ. And so what we do is we sit with Jesus and we, t- we have thoughts and our thoughts are shaped by scripture, our thoughts are shaped by truth, and our thoughts are, God, speak to me. And he speaks. And a lot of us are not good at hearing the voice of the Lord because we're afraid, oh, that sounds charismatic. Oh, that sounds this. Oh, that's not that. Uh, you know, that's going to lead to this. And if we can just for a second, let all those fears and questions hang in the air for a second. And say, God, if we just look, God spoke to Simeon. Luke is giving us this information. Now we go, huh, neat. Isn't that something? Children are nice to live back then. He's giving us this information saying, hey, look, this is what it looks like when God's love is on a life. God loves, and then he, he, he's providing peace. He's bringing things together through his word. Through his spirit working and leading and ministering. And you can label that whatever you want. What we're trying to do is we want to sit with Jesus and trust that he is there. He is not silent. Because look at this. Verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. How ordinary, boring, and mundane is that? Well, if God's going to speak to me, it's going to be something incredible and miraculous. What am I doing with my life? What, what, where, should I move to Austin next year? Should, you know, should I take this job? Like, what, what, ah? Hey, go to the temple courts. What? I do that every day. I'm devout. No, no, go to the temple. And what happened through this very ordinary means of hearing God? He, he got to be a minister of that peace. He's, you know, it says that Joseph and Mary were amazed. That doesn't mean that they're like, whoa, I'll be a son of a gun. I had no idea. That's who this kid was? Was that what all that angel stuff was about a couple weeks ago? Huh. Isn't that just the funniest thing? No, no, no. What I believe they're amazed at is they're just like, whoa. The whole of the universe. God's all, he is pulling all the stops to bring this together. And he's creating peace in this baby. We thought we'd have like, we thought we'd have a couple of years before this kid did anything. Even as a baby, look at him bringing peace. And all that has been said, you can trust, you can walk it out like Simeon did. All this came about because somebody went to a temple. God said, go to the temple. You know, okay. What are the things God's inviting you to do that you're confident are the Lord, but you're just too afraid to do? What are the ways that God is speaking to you, and he's, what is he inviting you to do 
You're like, mm, that's, no, no. Simeon had to walk it out. And when he did, he experienced peace. I can die in peace. When we see people we trust creating beauty in the world, we can't help but join in. And that's the invitation. God's saying, trust me, trust me, trust me, and join in. Join in this relationship where God's love is on us, where the Prince of Peace creates peace, and it's just bringing all kinds of things together where we're not peace fakers, where we're turning away from that. And it doesn't change the circumstances. Simeon had to walk up to two very poor people, and here it is. Here it is. This is why I'm alive. That's a crazy circumstance. My wife got to go to the Columbia uh, Fire Department with some friends and the kids on Friday. And they pointed out that, uh, I think this is ladder Q9, I think it says that they're at. Firefighters look scary. Okay? And it's actually a problem with kids. Uh, if there's like an emergency and a fire and this person comes running at you, <laughs> right? And it's a real problem, right? Because like they have, in emergency situations, kids running into even more danger because something scary is coming at them. And so the firefighters are working to build trust. They've got these kids and they're like, hey, you know, like, if you see us, look, this is all the gear we have. This is so we can be safe. Yes, we look like a Star Wars bad guy, but like we really are just trying to keep you safe. They're trying to build trust. And so my wife asked a question, which I thought was an amazing question. She said, hey, why did you guys want to become firefighters? And, you know, they, they went around the room and one of them had a story. He said, well, you know, when I was a little kid, my house was struck by lightning and it burned. But firefighters came and they were really kind to us and, and, and gracious. And I was like, why don't do that? Uh, and another one had a similar story that his dad was kind of this like eccentric kind of like handyman and he brought gas into their house and he put the gas on the furnace. Yeah, even I. I mean, I'm like the least handy person alive. But I'm like, bro, come on now. Burn the house. Firefighters rescued them, picked them up, carried them out. The last officer, though, why did you want to be a firefighter? My father was a firefighter. See that? See what's happening? Trust is being built, has been built. People saved us. I want to do that. When, when trust is high and we see people who are safe that we trust doing something beautiful, we can't but help join in. And God is saying, the Prince of Peace came to the city of peace. And the invitation is for us to be real people of peace. To really live in that freedom that he set things right. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We don't have to have blind optimism. This is fine, this is fine. We can, we can call things out. We can use our voice because everything has been set right. The story of Christmas is really quite morbid when you think about it. The story of Christmas is just the start of the story and it ends at Calvary this baby would come back to Jerusalem. And they killed him. How is this peace? How, I, what? I thought everything was set right. That looks like a scary firefighter. 
the one who said everything's good, who said he's going to take care of us, is hanging on a cross. But even through that, he was setting things right. You can trust a God like that. You can trust him with your career, with your family, with your kids, with your soul. He can't help but make peace. And we get to live and walk that out together. Father in heaven, Father, I pray over, God, I pray for all of us. God, we need this peace. We needed this peace and you gave it. And so God, I pray that you would help us to really live in this high, high awareness of what you've done, of who you are, that you are trustworthy. Help us to walk it out, to sit with you, to hear your voice, to trust you. And God, I pray that we would be peacemakers in the places you called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.